You're listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast, a podcast covering the world of Mormon arts and examining the intersection between faith and creativity. For more Mormon arts news and interviews, please visit mormonartist.net. Welcome to the Mormon Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Morris. Today we have joining us Garrett Batty. Hi, Garrett. Hey, Katherine. Garrett Batty is a film writer and director best known for The Saratov Approach and the upcoming Freetown. Um, so, Garrett, you're in the middle of putting Freetown out there in the theaters, and uh, when is it going to be released? We release on uh, nationwide on over a hundred screens Wednesday, April eighth. Wow, that's a lot of screens. So, what um, towns or states are those going to be in? So it's in uh, a couple of dozen states, um, and all of the all of the theaters are listed on our website at freetownthemovie dot com, okay. um, and they get. I mean, we, we're updating those daily. So, I mean, just this morning we got a call, like, we're going to book three more up in Idaho. So, um, it's, it's an exciting time. Okay, great. And that's something that if enough, if there's enough interest generated somewhere, uh, someone can request it through your website. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, they can go to the website and email us or, you know, even on Facebook, they, uh, post, you know, where they would like us to bring the film. Um, but, I mean, it, it's difficult because it's expensive to open a film in any theater. Mm-hmm. And so, the unfortunately, we're not able to accommodate the, you know, everybody who, who wants to see it in their local theater. Mm-hmm. But um, we have been, I mean, we have been successful in, people have been successful in saying, you know, we've got a group of 200 people that are ready to go mm-hmm. if you book a screening. And so we've been able to do that. Okay, great. That's exciting. So um, we'll talk more it, about Freetown later, but are you excited? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. We're in the middle of it. So it's excited and nervous and just uh, ready to get this out to the audience. Yeah, that's great. Okay, and I, you guys have a lot of uh, social media updates and everything. So anyone who's interested in finding out more about about Freetown, it's not difficult through your Twitter account and Facebook and website. Um, okay, well, I'd like to hear a little bit of your story as a filmmaker. So, how did you get involved in making films? And that's probably a long story, but sure, yeah. Um, I'll start. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, no, I as far back as I can remember, though, I always wanted to make film or be involved in film. Um, you know, even in middle school uh, or high school with my friends. I'd make little movies, and um, I just knew that it's what I wanted to do. Um, So after my my mission, I went to uh, film school at BYU. I went through their film program. Mm -hmm. And then immediately after graduating, I went to a degree in in film uh, with an emphasis in directing. I moved, uh, my wife and I moved out to Hollywood 
and start work uh, work out there in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And what did um, you? Um, what were you doing there? So my my skill set was uh, editing, mm-hmm. and so that's what I was paid to do. Um, on on different, uh, you know, I did uh, trailers and TV spots and some pilots. Um, did, did everything I could to provide for my family as, as an editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I wasn't working, I, I was starting my own kind of production company in which I was doing shorts or I, I ended up doing a lot of uh, DVD design and authoring and um, a, a lot of those, a lot of my clients came from this, this early LDS film book when you know, I started designing DVDs for um, Hailstorm Entertainment and Excel Entertainment and mm-hmm. got involved that way. Okay, so you were involved then in the independent Mormon film community fairly early on. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I sat in the edit bay behind Lynn Hogarth as he cut Singles Ward okay. and you know, watched him and observed that and was I was fascinated by um, this movement, like an, an LDS film movement of film, films being made for a, a national audience with a distinct LDS voice. That was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, so, so yeah, then, so, kind of, kind of, so you were in Hollywood, and then, and then what? And then uh, one day, my wife says, "We should, we need to move back to Utah," <laughs> and <laughs> it was unexpected because we loved, we both loved being out there. We loved the people and uh, the, the work that we were doing. Um, mm-hmm. But, but uh, she felt strongly, and, and um, after, after a short amount of time, I felt strongly that, that I mean, I agreed with her. And we moved back to Utah sort of un, unexpectedly and not really knowing why. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, many of the, much of my work was coming from Utah, so I was able to continue doing editing and, and DVD authoring uh, when we moved back. But it was apparent that we moved back for uh, family reasons, right? When we moved back, we ended up adopting three children somewhat unexpectedly in a, in a short amount of time. Hmm. Um, and so it was sort of a, certainly one of those moments where you recognize that there's some sort of higher power mm-hmm. directing your life. Um, so, so yeah, it was, um, you know, that, that answer eventually, uh, somewhat immediately came as to why we needed to move back. Mm-hmm. But in that process, then I started working for the church, um, producing uh, Mormon messages and other content uh, for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so then how did you go from that to a feature-length film? Um, I guess prior to working for the church, I did a feature. Uh, my first feature that I wrote and directed was a, a family comedy called Scout Camp. Mm-hmm. And it was my first attempt at kind of this niche market, um, finding an audience and going from concepts to completion to distribution. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a learning experience, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, fortunately, Scout Camp found its audience and, um, you know, we were able to pay back all of our investors and 
and you know have have that experience of producing and releasing a feature film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. Then after several years of working for the church and kind of learning learning um, the importance of the message and story, um, I guess to answer your question, how I transitioned, I, um, there was again this this moment of working at it that I thought I would like to do feature films. At this point, it's not an option to do feature films within the the church as far as as far as uh, as an employee, the church church was not interested in using employees to produce feature films. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took a leave of absence from my job. And I guess I wrote the script on the train as I commuted each day, and then hmm. um, I took two months off to shoot the film, and then continued working full-time for more messages, and then editing full-time at night on Saratoga Brooks. Wow. That sounds like a busy schedule. <laughs> it, it was certainly, it was certainly, yeah, it was busy. But but at the time, you know, you, you never know how people are going to react to your film. Is it going to be um, accepted and even profitable? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't. So you have to. I felt I had to keep all safety nets around me in mm-hmm. case uh, in case people didn't respond to the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm interested in how you pick your stories. Um, well, and also just why make films for the Mormon market? Because not everyone chooses to. Some people do. Why Why did you decide that you wanted to do that? Um, I I think one of the neat uh, I guess to answer both parts of your question on how, on how I pick my stories. Um, I don't have a I don't have a specific process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story the story behind Sarasota's approach was that uh, I was a film student when that incident occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, it left a, it left an impact on me um, because it, because of the national interest of the story, not because it was a uniquely Mormon story, but there was national coverage. And mm-hmm. um, when I decided I wanted to do it, I, I felt like it would again speak to a national audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to remember what the second part of your question was. Oh, why do why do I? Well, I guess films? my question is why make Mormon. Well, I was I said why make films with the Mormon market, but that's a little bit different. I guess what I was asking was why make Mormon films and why make Mormon films for Mormon market, but those aren't necessarily the same. Exactly yeah, the same exactly. question, <laughs> right? You know, and I'm glad you point that out because I think that often we. Um, in ourselves when we say I make movies for the Mormon market and I think that that's um, one of the most eye-opening things about making Mormon messages is ironically they were not targeted for Mormons members Mm -hmm. of the church and that was kind of a mantra is that anything uniquely um, exclusive to Mormons we we weren't going to feature or highlight now certainly um Somebody could look at that and say, "Well, first of all, they're called Mormon messages. How can you not do that?" And, and I think that um, again, it was our focus at, at, at the time to use a voice or use a, use techniques that were that were universally acceptable and use quality that was um, you know above what might typically be 
seen in a three-minute YouTube video, mm-hmm. and and to make that accessible to as as broad an audience as possible. And that that idea was very compelling to me, and I and so as a filmmaker, um, while certainly I'll, I'll insert my Mormon voice into my work, um, I don't ever hope or aspire to just make a film for a Mormon audience. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that, that that limits what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, but you do choose, uh, well, at least with your last two films, you have chosen Mormon characters. So I guess my, then my question would be, so you've addressed the market, you're not necessarily specifically targeting Mormon market, but why... Um, why pick Mormon characters? Why tell those stories? Um, that, that that's also a great question, and there's there's two sides to that answer. One, as as shallow as it may seem, it's strictly a business decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for for Sarah, I had very very little money. Mm-hmm. I could not afford a star uh, to be in the movie, and some people, there are, there are filmmakers, there are genre filmmakers that say, okay, we can't, you know, we don't have a star, we're an independent film company, we're going to make movies about orcs. Orcs are a generic star, and everybody knows what an orc is, mm-hmm. and they, you know, we have both an audience. Well, you've got the Book of Mormon musical on Broadway that has made Mormon elder um, missionary mm-hmm. a, a familiar star mm-hmm. uh, to people. And so, from a business standpoint, you say, I, I can't afford an A-list Hollywood actor, but who, who can my star be? Who, who's a recognizable person of interest? And then, well, the more missionaries are. Mm-hmm. Now, certainly, that doesn't necessarily guarantee box office. There are plenty of films out there that are made about more missionaries uh, that are not, um, uh, you know, that might have the same tone as the Book of Mormon musical rather than Charlton approach. Um, and I think that that's where the, the, the second way of answering that question is I, I want to make films about what I know about. And having been, you know, with, with my, my background and my being raised in the church and my testimony uh, being what it is, that's what I want to put in my films. Mm-hmm. Um, Does that, that answer your question? I yeah. don't know if it's... Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Um, that, that was interesting I, that you mentioned uh, the Book of Mormon musical um, because I, I, ha- I didn't realize that that was an, um, intentional. But I, one of the things I think is interesting is how um, Mormon art influences Mormons. Well, per- portrayals of any kind of Mormon art, so so Mormon art made by Mormons, but then also Mormon art made about Mormons, I guess you could say. So it's interesting, that's really neat to me that um, that the Book of Mormon musical was um, one of the things that kind of influenced you, because you're right. Um, there, The Book of Mormon musical has generated quite a bit of interest in um, Mormon stories, and probably particular, particularly the story of Mormon missionaries, since it um, since it was on Broadway. Yes, well, certainly. And uh, I mean, I I served my mission in New York City, and okay. so 
there was there was certainly a draw um, mm-hmm. to say, okay, here's <laughs> here in the in the heart of you know my my town. Um, they're, they're talking. They're telling a a Mormon story with with a distinct voice that is not my voice, and mm-hmm. um, it definitely drove me to to want to say, yep, yeah, uh, there there are lots of Mormon stories and lots of missionary experiences that deserve to be told, and um, and so it, it definitely uh, strengthened my desire to say I'm going to. I'm going to leave my job for a few months and do this film. Mm-hmm. And tell a missionary story from, with a Mormon voice. <laughs> a more missionary story yeah. with a Mormon voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's neat. Um, so my other question related to that was, I've been thinking recently about this idea of um, telling stories in a universal way. Um, Because I've attended the LDS Film Festival kind of off and on for the last, I don't know, five or six years. Um, And you get a lot of different styles of films. And the ones I think are particularly interesting are the ones that tell um, Mormon stories. um, Because that's what we're kind of experts at. And that's what makes our stories unique, is that we can tell stories from our culture um, and our, our beliefs. Um, and some of them, um, you, you kind of have a range of approaches for that. Um, and in some of the films, um, I think because they're trying to appeal to a national market or a national Christian market, in addition to the Mormon market, sometimes they will, um, like film alternate scenes where instead of a bishop, there's a pastor or um, Mm -hmm. they'll change, they'll take out, you know, a a, a term that someone who's Mormon would use and put it in a different term. Um, And so it's kind of, I don't know, there's just kind of, I don't know what what you would call it exactly, but there's just some of that going on. And and usually the, um, the idea is that someone might say, well, that makes the story more universal if you um, take out the specifically Mormon, unique Mormon elements and replace it with something that's from another religious culture or more recognizable. Um, But one of the things I've noticed is, so you've said that you want to tell stories not specifically to the Mormon market, but to a national market, but you don't really do that. I mean, you had Mormon missionaries, and it was all, I mean, anyone who is LDS, like, it was all Mormon Mormon missionary from beginning to end. So what's your approach to that? Um, that's, that's a great question. And I think that um, specifically for Suratov approach, why it reached a broad audience is because nothing. I paid very, very close attention to the script to not make anything in it exclusive to Mormons. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I mean, here we're using we we're using a name brand religion uh, mm-hmm. with Mormon missionaries, um, and I, I think the question became: Does does their does the faith of these characters 
is it important that it is a Mormon faith and um, for for our characters in this situation that they're in? And the the answer to that was was yes. In this situation, it does. However, that is not the complete character. The character is not flat, and all he ever talks about is, is spewing uh, Mormon faith and missionary discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need to be real, real people. Um, so I think using a missionary name tag does not immediately make you exclude um, the audience. I mean, look at Book of Mormon Musical. Mm-hmm. Um, most of that audience is most likely not coming to the church. Um, so there, there are ways to do that, and I think that the story needs to be accessible. What, what drives the characters and emotions is not um, exclusive to Mormons. It is because of their faith. As far as your comment about other films um, sort of sanitizing themselves or using a generic version of religion, I think that that's, again, probably a, a business decision. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which we know that there's, I mean, there, there's definitely a, a market and an audience for those types of films, um, for, for faith-based films, faith-affirming films. Um we right now we're in a time where using a missionary using a Mormon character in a movie yeah is is detrimental to some of that audience. Um, I don't necessarily think that I'm pursuing the faith-based audience even I I like to try to pursue the the film core the cinematic audience if if Hunger Games is number one movie in the country um, that's the audience I want to talk to. Hmm. Or the, those those people that are attending that movie. I I, I don't want to leave anybody out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So what you're saying is, depending on even so, someone who's m- making a film specifically for the Mormon market might make a film a certain way. Someone who's making a film for kind of uh, the general Christian market may make some choices based on. Um, what that market responds to, and then someone making their film for a general national market may make other choices based on what that market responds to. Yes, I agree. I um, and I, you you say it better than better than I said it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I think that you can take um, okay, you can take the movie Cast Away, mm-hmm. and you've got. Tom Hanks, who is a, whatever, he works for a shipping company. Mm-hmm. And in the film, that shipping company is FedEx. Now, does that mean that we're going to be watching a propaganda video about FedEx? Mm-hmm. No. And Tom Cruise, or Tom Hanks certainly had a character that was bigger than just his job at FedEx. And so an audience was able to relate to that story and, and see that story. Um, and and mm-hmm. to 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 the credit of the film, they didn't make a generic shipping company. They made it as authentic and believable as mm-hmm. possible, and and went with what they. So that so that's what I'm, I think. Yeah, to do. yeah, that's a good analogy. And he's not necessarily. 
feeling FedEx feelings or saying FedEx things. He's feeling, he's a FedEx employee who is feeling human emotions and having human experiences. Certainly, certainly. And not to take it too far. I mean, it certainly influenced him though, because he was conscientious mm-hmm. of his time and, and his watch and focused on these characteristics that built that character that resulted from his affiliation with FedEx. Mm-hmm. And I think that more uh, missionary is going to be the same thing. He's going to, when he, fears he's going to result or refer back to his testimony and rely on that mm-hmm. uh, but certainly it's not going to disable him from being able to have a regular conversation with people that honor his faith mm-hmm. yeah one of the things i i really liked about the saratov approach um was that i think it did strike that balance quite well because i i think the characters are are very relatable i mean you could imagine being, I think anyone could imagine being in that situation that they would go through those same kinds of emotions um, that those missionaries would go through. And, um, but, but one of the things I, I liked about it was that it was, um, they were influenced by their Mormon beliefs. It, it, it was a uniquely Mormon film, meaning you couldn't, I don't think you could have had that story. Um, you couldn't have told that story of those characters hadn't been Mormon missionaries because the whole time they were um, they were negotiating um, this very justified feeling of needing to escape even if that caused their captors harm um, and also the feeling that they're in Russia um, as disciples of Jesus Christ who who are called to minister to the people of Russia which includes their captors um, and so I think I think in in that regard it it was different from maybe what another hostage film would be like that I don't think you would have quite the same kind of dynamic going on. Certainly, yeah, I know. I think that that situation there's quite a bit of irony there. That if it's two Americans that are captured, okay, let's figure out a way to get out. Mm-hmm. Now, what if it's two Americans who are complete, who are there? To preach peace and a message of love and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what? How does that increase the stakes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that was a really beautiful film. Um, so, going along with this idea of <laughs> making films, marketing films. Um, so, how did that film do? I mean, I I know it did well in its theater release. I know it did well in the Mormon market. How did it do just in general? Uh, it, it did very well. It surprised us. Uh, it certainly surprised uh, me and those who were involved with it. Um, you know, we initially opened the film in October, right after General Conference. We opened it on 20 screens in Utah. Mm-hmm. And after the first weekend, first one or two weekends, um, you know, the Hollywood trades wrote a report on us saying, what, you know, what is this little film that has a huge um, following in Utah? Hmm. Uh, they noticed it. They noticed it because um, the, the per screen average, you know, again, talking about the business side of show business, the per screen average was higher than the two other films, you know, than Gravity and Captain Phillips. Wow. Um, and so certainly people were responding to the story and Hollywood wanted to know why. Uh, what that article then enabled us to do 
was to stage a second release or a to broaden our release. Or in January, we we ended up playing on over 150 screens across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had the opportunity to travel around and, and attend many of these screenings in different parts of the country. And it, it was not just um, you know LES people attending these screenings. It was it was very well received, mm-hmm. um, which ended up enabling us to put the film on Netflix, uh, where it's done very well, and you know other other areas, iTunes and Google and Amazon mm-hmm. have all been very pleased pleased with the film. We've been pleased with the film. That's fantastic. So when you were talking to some of these people um, who you know, weren't LDS, what what kinds of comments were you getting or kind of reaction? Uh, the, the, the same reaction that the people that are LDS mm-hmm. uh, were getting. Or it's just a regular moviegoer that wants to be entertained and wants to hear a good story, and they would come out of the theater and say, thank you, that was very, very powerful. It was a powerful film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we screened it even... We even went to, um, we did a big screening in Hollywood, and we had Larry King, who has certainly, his, his wife is a member of the church, and mm-hmm. uh, so he was there at our screening, and he was moved by the film and touched by the film. And the, the one thing, one thing that I will say that has come up a couple of times um, is that those that are faithful understand better the decision of the missionaries that the missionaries ultimately make uh, when they have this moment to escape. Those that perhaps um, don't acknowledge the hand of God in their lives, that is foreign to them. And so it's um, surprising. they're confused by it. Yeah. It's, it's surprising to them, and it's foreign. And there was, a, there was a, an executive at CBS who was talking about this and saying, I don't... I don't I don't get why they did that or why I don't get that. What are you trying to say? And, uh, and that, that came up a couple of times and Hmm. to me, it was very encouraging. It was like, well, they, they certainly appreciated the film and, and were very, very complimentary of the film. And yet, you know, even I can remember as a missionary sitting down and talking about, uh, you know, a testimony or a gentleman and some people just didn't get it and that's okay. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's neat. It's planting maybe a new, new idea, something to kind of chew on. Um, yeah, for people who maybe haven't had that experience or or don't don't share that belief, that's really that's yeah. really interesting. Um, well, that's great. So, Saratov Approach did really well, and it is on Netflix. I have pulled it up on Netflix, even though I saw it in the theater, because it, it's just, it's really lovely. Oh, that, the ending scene is so powerful, and we've interviewed uh, Robert Allen Elliott and, and talked to him about that, and just the, the, that ending with the music, and just the kind of um, understate, it's understated, I, I mean, there are weapons involved and possible violence, you know, but but and yet it's it's understated and then you have this beautiful soundtrack that comes in and the snow and the missionaries running oh it's gorgeous. Um, was there something you were going to say? Yeah, Rob, Robert. <laughs> Robert, uh, Robert is phenomenal. Yeah, and, uh, that was a that was a yeah, slam yeah, yeah. that was a slam dunk score. That was gorgeous. 
Yes, well, thank you. Um, and and the writing was just was really good too. It just the relationship between the the missionaries and the their captors was really fascinating. Yeah, it's a it's a fun project, and and uh, both Andy Pops and Travis Tuttle, you know, the two missionaries. I, I thank them every day for for letting me share their story. Mm-hmm. And for honestly, what they did in the time, in, in at the at the time, because had they not acted according to what they felt they should be doing, um, you know, it, we certainly wouldn't have this powerful story to share. Yeah, definitely. Um, great. So, um, I mean, there's a lot more I could say about the Stratov approach, but let's go ahead and talk about Freetown because that's what you have been working on. Um, for a while now. Um, so tell me about f- how did you come across that story? Uh, there's so I, the, I guess the, sh- the short story is that there's a, an article on the church's website. There's an old article kind of tucked away in one of these back pages of the website mm-hmm. um, that that talked. It was it was called. Uh, the Lord provides a way, and it talked about this experience of these eight missionaries and their driver that fled um, Liberia during the Civil War, and kind of the some of the obstacles that they had to go through and the faith that they had to show in order to um, get to their destination. And it was very interesting to me. Most um, the articles were interesting, but the the sources cited in it were were what really intrigued me, and it was um, missionary letters. It was letters to the president um, that these missionaries had written. I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder if there are additional details or really, you know, what, you know, what, what more could be learned from that story. Mm-hmm. So I went, I pulled those sites and went to the church's um, library, the church history library downtown. And, you know, they had you go, they had you leave all your, you know, computers or recorders or anything, and they fingerprint you and do everything, do everything they can. Mm-hmm. You go through background checks and security, and then they let you in and um, they hand you rolls and rolls of microfilm. And after scanning those for hours, I finally found these missionary letters oh, wow. and accounts of what these guys went through. And it was just, it was riveting. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I said, okay, this is a story that I'd like to tell. Yeah. How did you come across the original article? I Again, I don't know. I uh, just kind of reading the church's uh, website, uh-huh. um, you know, looking for looking for neat stories. Or this one was, it was under pioneers in other lands. Were you specifically were you specifically looking for material for for film? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm all. I mean, anything I read. You're all. I'm, yeah, yeah, you're. You're always. You've got always got your ear to the ground. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. That's neat. That sounds like an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was definitely. It felt like I was. Uh, I had come up on a, a, a treasure, a buried treasure. Yeah. And the, the, because it, it, it happened, you know, back in 1989, so we're coming up on 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when this event happened. So it's certainly not a story. One of the, one of the neat things is this was back in January when I started researching this. Um, and I'm January of uh, 2014. And then in June of 2014, the church actually published uh, an article on this story in, in the Ensign. So it was kind of neat to hmm. be a little bit of, um, kind of know about the story and then see what they had written about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it's a fascinating article. Mm-hmm. So um, did you think to yourself, am I really going to do another Mormon missionary story? I did, yeah. <laughs> and because I get, and I, it was always, you know, I didn't want to be that guy. So people say, okay, we get it. You had a traumatic experience on your mission, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't. But, you know, yeah, I, I certainly didn't, don't want to be labeled as the guy that makes missionary and peril movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we made a conscious effort to say this is a, it's a different film altogether. And uh, it's, if viewers who watched this, well, certainly there was a response to the self approach um, that, that where, where people were saying, we'd like more of this. Yeah. Um, and and I, I didn't want to turn a blind eye to that. That's a, something I want to respond to. Um, but at the same time, I knew that I couldn't just make the same movie set in a different country. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, one of the interesting things about the film is even... I mean, there are more characters. There are quite a few characters. Um, in the Shadatov approach, you had those two main characters, but in um, in this one, you have... Um, did you narrow it down to six missionaries? You had six missionaries, plus right. uh, the branch president, who um, who takes a big role, the, the one who drives the missionaries to Freetown across Liberia and Sierra Leone. Um, and in some ways, I think I heard someone, and I was having the same thought, it's almost a travel film, the second half, because they're on the road, going and going and going, driving and driving and driving, and, and encountering different situations, getting back in the car, and then going some more. Um, so it's, you know, in, in that respect, it's quite different, because it's a different kind of interaction with their surroundings and the Stratov approach. They're stuck in a room for most of the film, the same room. But in this one, they're they're outside. They're interacting with people on the way, so it, it is it does have a different feel, I would say for sure. Good. Well, that, that, that's good to hear because that was definitely our goal. Um, and Freetown is certainly a much a much bigger film, as you pointed out, a much bigger cast, um, and it is a moving. We we needed it to feel like a a road trip movie, a movie that has a destination that we're trying to get to. Um, yeah. And, I, and some of the, some of the ironies of the story and, and between Freetown and Sharp and Approach are our main characters make exactly opposite decisions. Um, you know, if you've seen the Sharp Approach, you learn ultimately what these missionaries decide uh, to sacrifice, and, and yet our characters in Freetown, whom we, with whom we relate to, Make the exact opposite decision that they they'll do anything to live. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, tell me about um, about filming Freetown because um, that that must have been a really fascinating experience. 
to be there on location in Africa and use primarily African cast and crew? It was, it was, it was an adventure. Um, and Adam Abel, who's the producer of Freetown, um, you know, is, is very experienced in producing, uh, war related films and also independent films. He's done saints and soldiers and, uh, forever strong. Um, so he, he and I decided that, yeah, the only way to do this would be, would be to go to Africa and film using, you know, an all African cast and to be as authentic as we could. Um, so we determined that Ghana would be the place we were going to be able to film this. It was a safe place. It was not, um, dealing with the Ebola crisis at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it was, it was, it had the resources that we needed in order to get this done. And so we went and held auditions. We, um, we, we, we hired a production company down there to help us uh, put together auditions and hiring crew. And it was remarkable. The talent that was available both in front of the camera and behind the camera. And then certainly the locations are unique and um, we're just, Beautiful. So green and lovely. Um, well, I'm, I'm particularly interested in uh, the branch president, um, Abubakar. He was, he was really good. I, I thought that he really stood out in his performance. Where did he come from? So uh, Philip Abubakar, yeah, he plays, he plays a, uh, yeah, he's, he, he, it's arguable that he's, he's our protagonist in the movie. Um, yeah, and he, he's an incredibly talented actor who had he was on the children's series oh. um, several years ago in in Ghana. Mm. He's it's, he's got an interesting story. He's he's an Italian, but lives in lives he lives in Italy. Um, he happened to be in Ghana the week of our auditions and auditions for the film. And when we cast him, he decided to stay for several months. And uh, but yeah, he was incredibly talented. Um, along with many others in the in the film. That's really cool. Um, he reminded me a little bit of um, just kind of the situation he was in, but but also one of the things I really liked about him was that he he would get frustrated, and it was very relatable and very sincere. You know, there were a couple times he got really frustrated with those missionaries that he was taking across the country, even though he cared for them you know, a lot. He kind of reminded me of a, um, of Paul Rusesa Begina from Hotel Rwanda, that he has this responsibility <laughs> to care for these, these people, but it also is a burden and you can feel it at times. Um, just a very, a very I, relatable character. I think that, um, Melissa Leilani Larson, she's our screenwriter, did a phenomenal job of, of, really putting that feeling to paper. I, you know, when I read the script or when I read the stories, he was immediately who I related to, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think how, how many times do we hear, um, you know, okay, who wants to feed the missionaries this week? And one or two hands reluctantly go up or whatever, <laughs> it is, or who can do splits or who can take care of these missionaries? And I think that's a, that's a very real feeling, mm -hmm. whether it's correct or not uh, is, is maybe to be determined or to be talked about. But yeah, these missionaries, it is, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, certainly Philip 
Abubakar represents that that mm-hmm. person in all of us, that feeling in all of us. Is yeah. That I know that these guys, yeah. You would... <laughs> I mean, he was willing to to risk his life for them. He's, you know, he'd give his life for those missionaries, but they are also getting on his nerves sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. She did a good job then doing that. <laughs> that was great. Um, so, um, I wanted to ask about a couple. Well, what are some of the scenes in the in the movie that were particularly memorable to you? And can you tell us a little bit about filming them? Maybe just one or two. Sure. Um, yeah, there, there are there are a couple of scenes. Uh, first of all, if, as you've seen in the in the trailer, um, the, the movie is, is you know we're set in the middle of Monrovia, and mm-hmm. we've got uh, rebels that have essentially descended upon the city and shut it down. And I remember having to shoot that scene, um, loading up. I mean, we literally we loaded up a truck full of. Um, these actors that were all made up to, to look like rebels and we gave them um, these weapons and mm-hmm. had them drive the truck. We're, we had the permits to drive this truck through the neighborhood and, uh, you know, have these rebels chanting and, and waving threatening, their guns. Yeah. waving their guns. And that was a particularly memorable scene because certainly it was, I was scared to death to shoot it. <laughs> um, you know, for for whatever reason, for for all of the things that could have gone wrong, um, and yet it was it was amazing to think that it really happened. That yeah, we were re- recre- recreating an event in which people um, could could relate to. We we did a script reading for the film right before shooting with all of our cast, mm-hmm. and um, it was particularly powerful at the end of the film at the end of the read-through, when several of the cast shared experiences that they had with this Liberian Civil War. Hmm. Our, our main rebel in the film is Liberian, and he talked about his experience of, of you know, his memories of this exact occurrence. Hmm. So it, it, it definitely was a, it was a powerful moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of that, there's a scene in the film that's set in a chapel um, where a congregation is singing a hymn. The hymn, that, the hymn is uh, "Know This That Every Soul Is Free," mm-hmm. and that talks was, about how that gave God, me chills. That was really beautiful. It, it, is, it is beautiful, and to hear them sing is an experience. Um, it talks about how God will force no man to heaven. And which is the theme, which applies to the theme of the film. Um, certainly, what our main character Philip Obukar is experiencing. Um, in in that scene in particular, as we filmed it over and over, um, our actor Henry Adolfo, who plays Abubakar, he was, you know, I I, I stopped the scene. We we got through the hymn a couple of times. I cut the camera and I look over at Henry, and he's just he's sobbing, just really. Emotionally, um, he'd come, he'd, he'd, he had come undone. Hmm. Uh, so he excused himself from the room. Uh, he went out to the kind of the porch area, and um, I went out to talk to him and you know talk about what he was feeling and what he's going through. And it was one of his moments where he really recognized the the significance of this story. And and he was definitely feeling the feeling of this 
Spirit there was testifying to him mm-hmm. the importance of this story in particular and also of missionary work. And it was a unique thing for him, so it was a really special moment. That's really neat. Yeah. Um, so you've talked a little bit a little bit about uh, about the experience of the cast with this story. What has the reception been like so far? And I particularly am interested in knowing what the reception has been like in Ghana, because um, you have played this film in Ghana. We did, yeah. In uh, the first part of March, we released the film in Ghana. Um, Adam and I knew that, you know, filming, we, we filmed in, in Ghana, in greater Accra area, and then in several villages on the outskirts of Accra. And here we're, you know, we, we show up with a film crew and cast and lots of people and lots of equipment. And we set up in these villages after meeting with, you know, the village chief to ask permission. And if the village chief says permission and says yes, then everybody in the village needs to comply. Uh, and so, I guess, so we were somewhat disruptive to these villages. Mm-hmm. Um, they were willing, and we 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 were as cordial as a, a, film, a film crew can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, but, but, you know, we, we knew that this was a unique experience to them. So Adam and I determined that we would bring the film back to them mm-hmm. and let them experience it. Um, so we did a theatrical release in, in Ghana in March, where it was very well received. And, and uh, the, the national news coverage there was unprecedented for, for you know, an independent film. It was mm-hmm. beyond, far beyond what we would get here. Hmm. Um, but then also to, I guess, as a, as a thank you to the village that let us film there, we arranged to have a big screen set up in the middle of the village, knowing that they'd never be able to make it to a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but we showed, showed the film. We played the film there, right in the middle of the village, right where we filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty, it was fun. It was amazing to see their reaction, you know, not only just, you know, here's this movie, and that's a new experience for many of them. Uh, but to see themselves on the screen, you know, and the the fun week that we had in their village now came full circle, and they were able to see and kind of point at, point and say, oh, there's my house, or there's me, you know, mm-hmm. and so it was a really neat experience. Mm-hmm. So what are um, viewers in Africa saying about the film? It's it's been very positive. It's it's all been positive. And, um, we've been very fortunate that it is positive. And we, um, the theatrical audience is responding, and they're it's it's a unique film because while there are certainly, um, I mean, certainly they have Hollywood movies there that they can watch, and then also uh, Nigerian films are very very. There's a very big industry in Nigeria for, for movies, and they make it over to Africa, and they have certainly a different uh, production level, production quality level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think what people are responding to is this has a, a Hollywood production um, quality, but it's their story. It's a relatable story to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's causing them to really mm-hmm. uh, respond positively to it. Mm-hmm. Their story with African actors. And... 
Yes, nothing about it is fake. It's yeah. It's a real. It's a real story. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, is it true that you were um, in the trunk of the car during the filming? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it and it was. It, I mean, again, it's an independent film, and so so we we. We had to get get creative as to how we're going to get a shot. And typically, when you're filming a road trip movie, you put the car on a process trailer that has, you know, anywhere from 12 to 24 inches of space for you to walk around the car with uh-huh. a camera and film. That doesn't exist in Ghana. <laughs> and so um, we we rigged the camera onto the side of the car. We had different different mounting points of where we could put the camera on the outside of the car, and then because it was moving and I needed to be able to monitor the shots and monitor the audio, um, and and we had seven people in the car, the only, the only place for me was in the trunk. And so everyone got a kick out of that, of, of uh, every day that we used the car. Truly sacrificing for your art. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, it was. There, there were some scary moments in there. Our our our, our talented actor, Philip Abubakar, um, who played Philip uh, wasn't uh, he'll be the first to confess this he was not a driver at all oh, and yet he had to drive the car <laughs> and so every time that uh, that car was moving where he was behind the wheel it was a little bit exciting yeah, we were taking our, our lives <laughs> into our own hands <laughs> well that's funny. I, I guess it enhanced the feeling of authenticity for you, <laughs> risking your lives traveling in this car. You could relate to those missionaries. Yes, we definitely felt the bumps, each bump in the road. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a scary time. Fortunately, it, it worked out. Yeah. Um, gosh, well, there's a lot more I could say about that film, but... Um, Um, what would you say, just kind of in general, what would you say that, um, that you gained from making that film and that you hope that audiences would gain from watching that film? I don't know if that's the same thing, but. Yeah, no, that, that, that probably, in this circumstance, it probably is the same thing. Um, make, making the film was, was difficult, but it was a very, very difficult film to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I mean, honestly, I was surprised at how difficult it was to raise money for the film, um, and then to, to to execute and to get every every shot in the film. We had to fight for, it, and it was just a it was a it was very very difficult because of the location and the time frame and the budget and everything. Mm-hmm. And and I don't I mean, certainly making a film is a hard thing to do, um, but um, but. Both Adam and I felt like this one was um, the, the difficulty level was enhanced because of the circumstances in which we were making the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, despite you know whatever went wrong on set during the day or whatever you know obstacles we had to overcome, we if if we just took it you know one shot at a time or one day at a time, we could 
we could get through it. We could endure it. Um, and and if we looked closely, sometimes we didn't have to look too closely. If we if we took a step back and see, we could definitely see the hand of the Lord helping us along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, that was the only way that we were able to get through some of the you know incredible challenges that that came up during make the film. So so if, as far as what I get out of it, I. I think it was a very, very refining process in which I came to have a great amount of respect for that process of just enduring um, and and to quote the theme of the film, to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. When So then to answer the other side of your question, what does the audience get out of it? Certainly I don't want it to be an, endu- uh, an exercise in endurance for them. I want them to enjoy the film. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I want them to appreciate, um, what, uh, recognize the importance of keeping, you know, to, to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be in a vehicle traveling across Liberia to, to, to feel challenges. There are mm-hmm. obstacles that we all experience, but as these, as these missionaries did, and as any audience member can do, if you step back and recognize these daily miracles that are occurring, um, then, then you, that, that does, that strengthens your resolve to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, that definitely, I mean, that, that theme is loud and clear, and um, I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen the movie, but the, the ending, um, there, there's kind of a turning point in the film um, that... Um, there's a part where the branch president is looking down at, at this water and he's kind of at the end of his rope and, and he, and he prays and it's, it's really, it's really lovely. Um, so, um, you know, he finally, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. No, and but I, there, I, there I is, there point. is, there is clarity that comes and there is, um, he is, you know, he's given that strength to endure. So, um, yeah, I, and of... I think often the the answer comes in an unexpected way. Yeah, and, uh, and... not necessarily what we were planning on. Yeah, and often when you feel like you have given everything and it's and your prayer isn't being answered, so that's yeah, it's very inspiring. Um, so I would encourage all of our viewers to go or all of our listeners to go see it. Um, so. April 8th, it's coming up. That's very exciting. I don't know if you're thinking forward to your next project, but I'm, I'd am i be interested to know if you have something in the works or have some thoughts of, of what you might be doing next. I'm assuming you're going to make another film. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out April 8th. After this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah certainly there are other projects in the, in the works. Um mm-hmm. But again, the focus on this one right now is that that opening weekend. Yeah, it, it is an absolute joy to be able to make an independent film, and it's been a dream of mine for a long time. But it can't happen without, you know, that opening weekend is so imperative because mm-hmm. to get a film in the theaters, um, you're taking the place of some other screen that might be reserved for a Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm. And so, if we don't respond, if 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 bookers, theater bookers don't see 
an audience response on that opening weekend, you know, you're you're out the next week. So yeah, that's why that's why it seems like a broken record. But any independent filmmaker is going to say you have to go opening weekend. Yeah, you know, opening so that's weekend. Been, that's been our mantra. Okay, so get through opening weekend, and then and then you can start thinking maybe about other projects. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Great. Well, um, so do you have, I mean, are some of the stories you thinking, are some of the stories that you're thinking about um, stories with Mormon characters? Some of the stories that you might tell in the future? Um, certainly. Yeah, not, not all of them. And, and mm-hmm. it'll, I don't know that I'm going to be doing a missionary um, imperial movie again for a while. You're not um, going to do a, what is it, a try, there's a word for it. A trilogy. A, a trilogy. A trilogy. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to round out the trilogy, oh, no. maybe? <laughs> Who knows? You I could mean, do the first I, senior I missionary film. <laughs> That's, <laughs> there you go. I'm sure. That, yeah. And there are some incredible stories that, yeah. that I hope that others might be inspired to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and because there is an audience for it. And I think that it, it says a lot to be able to go to the theater and have your faith reaffirmed. Um mm-hmm. That's a that's a neat experience, um, but no, I'll, uh, I'm looking at doing a another action thriller movie that's set in Russia about a spy that has to. Uh, it's it's funny because it's about a spy that has to flee the country, so it's kind of a combination of sort of. And he set is in Russia. who's not a Mormon missionary. He's not a Mormon missionary, <laughs> and and he's he's not LDS. Not, uh, not in the not in not in the film. Not in the no. film. Okay, but you do have some some characters who are Mormon and that you might you might use in the future. So it's yeah it's, some 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 okay. Um, oh, so my last question is um, because it's Mormon artists and and we like to talk about Mormon art. Um, what how do you feel about Mormon cinema? What would you like to see in the future? What do you think is working? What do you think could happen? What's the potential? Any way you want to answer all those questions that I just asked. What sure. are your thoughts yeah. about Mormon cinema and where it's going? Um, I'm, I'm super encouraged uh, by, by where it's going. It's, it's the, the idea of this type of film, you know, films with a unique uh, Mormon voice, Mm-hmm. Has, has always interested me and I was anytime anybody ever said uh, Mormon film is dead or LDS cinema is dead I always spoke up and said no, 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 it's not it's not mm-hmm. um, if we tell good stories uh, the audience will respond that's what people want and I think watching a movie um, is just you know, it's like eating a, a piece of chocolate cake and Sometimes it's going to be a you know, wonderful experience, and sometimes it's going to be dry. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you're never going to stop eating chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. So, so we have to provide a, an experience for an audience that competes with the other offerings that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean being exclusive. Um, it, it means learning our craft, learning how to speak the language of film, and then inserting um, a message in, into that language or sharing the story that we want to share using that language. Mm-hmm. 
So I am encouraged that, that uh, we have the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, any last remarks? Go see Freetown. Go see Freetown. Yeah, April 8th. It's a Wednesday right after the conference. And we're going to be in the theaters uh, hoping, to, hoping to see all of you. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, do this interview. Thank you very much, Karen. And, uh, I mean, I enjoyed Freetown. I'm going to see it on opening weekend, even though I already saw it at the LDS Film Festival. It's definitely worth seeing again and supporting. And I look forward to seeing your future offerings. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast. For more episodes, please visit mormonartist.net.